0: Today, I I chose a topic. I know this is crazy, but I went back in my notes to, I shouldn't tell you this, I think it was, yeah. uh, Well, close to it anyway, June of 1978. (laughs) And I looked at uh, a thing that took place uh, at that time. And that was that I had a vision on that particular day, very unusual. Uh, I will explain that to you in a moment. But I'd like to start with the verse from Proverbs 29:18, and that slide, if you can throw it up, without a vision, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Some translations read, up, are uh, destroyed. But the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. Now, the writer of Proverbs was being led by the Spirit to speak of a situation they had where God had given them a vision. What was the vision God gave them? It's obvious from this particular verse right there that they had it, and that was his word that was at that time, the commandments, the law, and they had that in front of them and they ignored it. And so what happened then is, what happens with us all, when we get out of the word of God, when we move away from it, we begin to figure out things by ourselves, and we begin to wander. And then we become a people that are going nowhere which God has called to go somewhere. In other words, we lose our way. So how do we, how do we get back on track? So I was at a particular time, uh, I was attending a church and there's some of the people right here in this assembly that were in that same church at that same time. It was probably the fastest growing church right here in Southern New Hampshire. The Spirit of God had been poured out. People were pouring in. Back in those days, I was not, quote, unquote, preaching. We did have a ministry in teaching, but uh, I was the head of full gospel, and Brother Chamberlain over here was the vice president of that chapter, and another fellow by the name of uh, Fenton Johnson, who uh, has since gone home with the Lord, was one of the other individuals in that particular group. And what had happened is we took over that chapter, I don't know, because it was a good thing to do, and I had had great experiences with full gospel businessmen. So we took over that group. It was failing. Uh, It met in Nashua. The man who headed it up, uh, his name was Stu, good guy. And uh, he had a real heart for Jesus. He's a businessman. But what took place was The, church, the group met at Riviere College, and it always served dinner. So from being a full Gospels businessman's meeting, it wound up with some 40 nuns or so coming in for dinner on that particular night. And finally, he was just running out of money and running out of time, so he decided to give it up. So we took it, we changed the format. We brought in some speakers, but... Before you knew it, the Spirit of God fell. Literally, revival broke out and all of a sudden, New Hampshire here. It was in a beautiful, amazing thing. And I can remember going to this meeting at Riviere, one of the meetings that we had. And our speaker was a man by the name of Ralph Marinacci, who was a prophet and a uh, director in Full Gospel also. kind of guy that ministered, which you could think of all of the great names that you might have grown up with. He he was one of the people that ministered with him. And I can remember being in that particular auditorium, and the miracles we saw just on that day were amazing. But what was a great, greater miracle was from the Trinity Baptist Church at that time, all of their elders came out to that meeting. Now, they weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. They came out to see what God was doing, and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. And now what the problem was, if you go back then, everybody was coming from a Catholic background. There was no Bible training. We didn't have, we didn't know anything about anything. I mean, uh, my experience with the Bible was, and my mother read the Bible, but she always read those scriptures that showed what was wrong with me. Son, the Bible says... (laughs) I didn't like that. When that Bible came out, it wasn't my favorite thing, my favorite moment. So, what began to happen is people from all over came in, and we were bringing the Word of God into the community. And we started growing. Faith Christian Center was really an outreach of what took place back in those days. That was one of the groups that emerged out of this. In fact, uh, their pastor was our music director. There's a long story in all of these different places, but we were gathering literally 400, 300, 200, whatever it might be, people just coming out to hear the word of God. And God was showing up. Great time. So in our church here in uh, Merrimack, uh, we were doing good. People were pouring in. We had opened a, a group in our basement. Uh, we didn't have a big basement. had a pretty small house and we had wooden chairs that were given to us that had a a funeral home, had decided to get rid of them. Now this funeral home must have had them for 100 years, but they were the old wooden ones with slats in them, and they had the funeral home name on the back of them, and so our people sat in these particular chairs, and we managed to get about 50 of them, roughly, into the basement. And people would fall out of their chairs. Uh, Tom would be preaching. I would be preaching. Sometimes we'd just be reading from the scripture and the spirit of God would come down and a person would fall out. Demons would cry out. We'd be casting them out. It was an incredible time. And now in this church that we went to, it was growing rapidly. Our pastor, we loved him. Good brother. And didn't know that he had had some Uh, difficulties prior to that, but that he had a, a problem with manipulation and control and a few other things that went on, but the long and the short of it is, one morning I get up, the church is growing, we're packed with people, the praise is beautiful, and when I get up, I don't get up actually, I'm lying in bed, and suddenly I hear a voice, And the voice says, watch. And I don't know if I'm asleep or I'm awake. And as I look, it looks like a stone field. Can we get that slide up? Is that possible? I'll show you what it looks like. But a stone comes up. And I see on the stone the words begin to, like they were engraved on the stone. It's really interesting how it happened. And on the stone, I see the word Jesus come. And I'm saying, what is this, Lord? again, the word, the, the, the voice says, watch. Then the word ministry comes onto that stone, goes onto the stone. Then the word word comes, meaning the Bible. Then comes the body, meaning the church. And they said, what is this, Lord? And once again, he says, watch. And as I watch, the ministry slides off, like off the center, just floats right off there. And when it floats off there, what happens is the body follows the ministry. And I said, oh no, Lord, the ministry's going off and, and, and the church is following this. I had no idea, absolutely none, that that was the church I was attending. That morning, well, there's more to the, more to the vision. Let me finish the vision. Then what happens is there is another stone that appears. And it's next to this stone. I have two stones. I said, are they tombstones, Lord? He said, watch. All I keep hearing is, is watch. I watch. And suddenly the word Jesus grows on this stone. And then comes the word word onto the stone. And then the word ministry. And then the word body, the people. And I know intuitively that this is something that God wants. And what he says is, this is my church, this is what I want. And I said, oh, Lord. And as I'm watching, the ministry goes off the stone. I I can just feel it. I just, oh, no, God, no, no. What what happened? And he said, watch. And as I watched the body, the church, went right up, followed the word, and followed Jesus. He said, this is the church I want to build. Well, I got to the church that day. And by the way, other things happened. He then showed me again back to the other stone. The word man got on that. That was a church that man was building. This was the church that the spirit was building. And the funny thing was that the word fruit came after that. And it was the fruit of the spirit. And I said, well, Lord... Both of these churches have the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. And he said, no, one is a phony fruit. It's not real. It won't stand in the time of testing. But he said, my fruit will stand the time of testing. So I went to, I went to church that morning and I was so excited. Because I had no idea, you understand that I'm seeing this, but I don't really know what it means. And I just was so happy to share this vision. And then what happened is people were not happy. Uh, The pastor and the assistant pastor both were looking at me. Why were they looking at me? Why were they just actually angry? I didn't know what they were doing. I didn't know what was going on. But they had some other plans for the church, and how they were maneuvering it, taking it over, and they used some really uh, interesting tools that that came out. One of them, this particular pastor, was really gifted in the Greek language, in the original language. He had he even had a uh, we'll say it a, a reputation for his prowess while at seminary down in Gordon Conwell, and I mean you know, he, he just read that text like it was today and he used two words which are very interesting one was that he had the rhema he had had a spoken word from God so he said and that the people only had the uh, lagas. so in other words they just had the Bible but they didn't really know the word of God because it wasn't given to them and using this tool of Laga's Ramer, he was able to convince a lot of people and manipulate them to the point where eventually the entire church got down to 10 people. It was interesting, I will tell you this. They had prophets, prophecy. They prophesied against me, against Tom. We weren't, didn't we? We didn't start a church. We didn't do anything like that. We were just minding our business and serving God with full gospel and doing what we knew how to do. That was it, and God was working the miracles and things were happening. Deaf were hearing, blind see. I mean, it it was like I said, an amazing time. So, I finally, well, fortunately for me, I had some access to some Greek scholars. And into um, the, the Greek, and I went through I started going through Kittle, and there were 23 pages on and Kittle's a, a book. see this one book like this here, it's this thick. And you can go in my office and you can see Kittle. it goes across the whole thing. That's just the Greek Septuagint uh, lexicon in, in Greek of both the Septuagint. Septuagint being the Old Testament translation from the Hebrew into the Greek. And I got into the 23 pages of it, and as I went through Kittle, I came to the conclusion that, wait a minute, these two words weren't all that different, but they were synonyms. And I began to see that that's what they said. I went to him, I said, look, pastor, what's going on here? This is what we have. Anyway, before we knew what happened, this wonderful church of ours had disintegrated. Prophecies were made against us, and the most important thing about it is, they all came true. But they all came true upon the other people. It was like they were prophesying to themselves. You know, it was it was it was crazy. And me, we just backed off for a while. We never invited a single person. Now, Tom, you know this, Connie. We never invited a single person out of that church. We didn't invite anybody out of there. We just licked our wounds. Because that's what happened. Your whole community just fell apart. It was brutal. It was, it was, it, it hurt. And I want you all to know here, in old and new, and some of you have been there, some haven't, that when something like this happens, you have to wonder what is going on. And I, the sad thing is that this would be the first church that I would see that a beautiful, wonderful church that had come together suddenly was undermined and destroyed and went down in shambles and I would see it over and over again and it's kind of like this there's a story about a pastor down south of a very prosperous and huge Baptist church and um, they had an old building that they wanted torn down. So the uh, team there, whatever they were, hired a wrecking company to come on in. And on the day they came in, the pastor was in his office, and they walked in. And they said, now, can I take down the building, third building down? He says, absolutely right. Problem was they were counting different than he was. And one hour later, he walked out and found their brand-new gymnasium, which they had just paid $4 million for, nothing but rubble. Can you imagine how long it took to build that, you know, to fundraising and the people coming together and the guys all in there, they want to get together, They the exercise they're, the whole thing, the excitement about it. And here's the whole thing. In one hour, what took them a year or more or two years to build was gone. And then it started happening with us. Crazy things that happened. People didn't realize this or that. And it would just happen. And finally, I got to the point where I said to myself, Lord, this is not right. I don't get this. And I would pray over and over again, and I would say, Lord, why is it? And even with full gospel, things would happen. Politics would get involved. This would get involved. All of this stuff would just happen, and everything that's going good, somebody try to seize it, take it over. It was, it was nuts. And this is the church. And I'd say to the Lord, look, you, you said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against your church. Why is it so fragile? Why is it so fragile? And I asked him so many times on that, I finally came to the point in my life where I said, Lord, when I get up there with you, that's going to be the first question I ask because I don't understand this. I don't understand why we have to go through this over and over again. What, what is it? I never thought I would get the answer to that but I did and I'm not going to share it with you right now but to say that um, how would I say this that we needed to have a church that would withstand And what we did know about it was this I knew that Jesus had to be first we had to be in love with him and he was number one the second thing I knew is that the word had to come next because the word of God is our, is our foundation here. Jesus, you might say he's the foundation, but the word of God is the thing that keeps us on track. Now, you can interpret the word in a lot of ways, and that's a whole other situation and, 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 and topic. But the fact is that that's what we must have in that church. The word must be the primary thing and then the ministry well the ministry needs to do its job and it needs to hold to the word and the body needs to hold to the word also and people need to be taught you don't follow a man you follow God and you follow him through your word and by the spirit and you'll never you will be disappointed at times but you'll never wonder what happens because you know what men fail and that really brought us to a a whole new thing. So I want to talk to you a little bit more. I want to move on from that um, because you can be in a seemingly healthy place, all things going on, and then it goes wrong. Now, it's important to have a vision and a mission from God. I believe we have received a vision from God when we were born again. say, well, I didn't receive a vision. I want to just think... You to think about this for a moment. Let's take a look at John chapter 3 and verse 1. And he says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs unless God is with them. with him. And then Jesus said to him, answered him, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he shall not what? See or perceive the kingdom of God. On that very day that you received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, your whole world changed, didn't it? Something was new. You might not have known anything, but now your whole life, you had just gone from one life into another life, and this was going to be an exciting journey if you considered, continue to follow through. If you didn't get short-circuited, you can get short-circuited in the church, you know. You can get, to, well, you know, now you need to do this, now you need to do this, this pretend this, do this, do that. And at the end, you're, you're into this church world where you're doing all of this stuff, and we start losing Jesus because that was the whole revelation that you received that now you had a savior now you had a lord somebody that loved you and you love them and you're excited about them and they were excited about you and they still are Jesus is excited about you why would he be excited about me you might sit there and say who am I you have been called before the foundation of the world you were chosen you say oh well that that's why That's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. Now, why? Because God has a purpose for his own possession. Oh, yes, that's another thing that happened. You were owned by somebody prior to receiving Christ, and it wasn't God. You were under the influence of the prince of the power of the air the spirit of disobedience that works in men and you went your way, did your thing just like those people who were lost without a vision and as you were doing that you were on that wide road that was leading to destruction and now God had taken you in an instant and I mean an instant on that day you said Jesus come into my heart I receive you as my Lord and my Savior he, the Father took you He took you out from the dominion of that prince of power. He put you into the kingdom of his beloved son and he sat you in the heavenly places with Christ. Can you imagine that? That all happened to you just like that. And you didn't know it. That's okay. A lot of people don't know it. They never even taught it. So what takes place now is a very interesting phenomenon. We now have the ability... In Christ, to perceive Well you know something's different first, we, we really know there's a spiritual world out there, don't we? We, we, we know that there's forces out there that are different and we, we have a new a new way of seeing, well what's going on now? It's not always how I thought it was things are I'm not seeing things, but I know that there's something out there now that I don't know because God's real and he's in my heart so. We had that ability given to us and we became, as I said, citizens of God's kingdom. Interesting, we were now opened up to an entirely and invited into an entirely new way of living. We began a wonderful adventure, or I hope you did. I did. I I can only speak for myself and from some others that I know, but I began an incredible invention with my Lord and Savior, and he was calling us to explore it, and he's calling you to explore this new life, not just with a bunch of people. You will get to do that, but with him. You know, when he says, if anyone wants to follow me... Come after me, literally, in the original language. And then he says, let him pick up his what? When do you pick it up? Daily. Isn't it daily? Pick up your cross daily and come follow me. And then you know what? That, that word, the next is a different word. It's not the same word that says, if you want to come after me, this is a different word. You want to follow me. You want, it's one to journey with me. Pick up your cross daily and journey with me. So when you get up in the morning, you pick up the cross. Well, what's that for? Well, you can show people you're Christian. You can walk on that cross. I mean, I'm telling you, you know, you don't know. And what the reason for that cross is it's a place you got to die on. Well, what has to die? Well, with every one of us, it's different. We have different issues, don't we? We're we're not a monolithic group of people. We are individuals that God has called, and he wants to work into us his life, and he wants to work out of us the old life. Now, whether we let ourselves be crucified on that cross, that's up to us, but I'm going to tell you, if you don't, it's like walking with Jesus and getting stuck someplace, and you're not going anymore. You're not walking with them anymore. Why? Because you're in a place of disobedience. We're a place where I'm saying, I'm going to stick with this right now. I don't care what the word of God says. I don't care about anything. This is where I am. And you're stuck there. Now, you're still saved. You still might even speak in tongues, still get the baptism. But my point is God wants you to journey on. And sometimes you need some people with you that are going to come out and say, Hey, you know what? We're walking together, brother, sister. Let's let let's move along together. And it's a great journey because we do need one another very, very much. It's an exciting life, and there are great things for us to do. And we'll speak about that later on in our in our meeting. But the good news of this new journey is and your relationship with Jesus. Christ is the element of, and the greatest news about the element of new life, is in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, is the most important element of that life, hands down. No matter what the church does, if that's a church you go in on Sunday, and and they have this huge orchestra and they have this band and all of these different people doing different things and you come out totally entertained and it's a great message that you come out with and then you go can't wait to get back next week and get refueled folks Jesus fuels us the Holy Spirit fuels us we don't go to the church like a gas station to get filled up we go to the church for a number of reasons, and that too is something we ought to consider. What are those reasons that we gather together on a Sunday morning? And there's good reason for it. God has good reason for it. But why do we do that? But let me just say this. This is an assembly. This is not a church. You're a church when you are walking together with God in, under the influence and direction of the Holy Spirit. When you're loving one another, when you're walking with him, when you're changing, being transformed by the Holy Spirit because you want to be who God called you to be. So that's a decision we have to make. Now, again, uh, the good news about being in this new life is that in order to experience it and have this whole new event, you don't have to go to Africa. You don't have to live in a mud hut someplace. If God calls you to do that, that's fine. But it begins right where you are. You know, I've been listening to some some of the folks, uh, especially uh, during the um, some of the ladies. I listened to their chatter. Uh, uh, they're talking, but just talking about stuff after church or uh, primarily during the, the uh, w- uh, Wednesday when the group of, from uh, uh, Classical Conversations meets. And it's interesting to listen to people where they're at and some of the things that they say. And I, I say to myself, you know, uh, somebody's got to be able to come around and say to a, a mom... You know, there's a mission and purpose God has for you. But you see, the point is, that begins right where you are in the season of life. You don't have to go someplace else. And one thing you should never do is follow another man's vision. I want to say that to you. God has a vision for you. And that's clear in his word. So you don't want to follow another man's vision. I remember this woman Reading this uh, story, actually, a preacher was preaching it. He came to a new church, and it was a denominational church. And he came in, and uh, at the end of the service, he, you know, uh, they had this is his first actual uh, service as the new pastor. The sixty-year-old woman came up to him, and she said, "Pastor, you know, I've been here for twelve years." Now, I see that you have a vision, but you know what, Pastor? We haven't finished paying for your last pastor's mi- vi- vision. I want you to think about that. We haven't finished paying for your, the last pastor's vision, so please don't put any more of a burden on the church. I and mean, When you think about that, what happens? Oh, we need to do this, we need to do We need to do what God calls us to do. And there's a place that we're going right now, and, and God's got a real good plan for our life. Now, notice that our purpose, mission and uh, life role for life are kind of given to us in First uh, Corinthians, I'm sorry, Ephesians number uh, fir- one, Ephesians 1, beginning at verse 15. And let me uh, summarize this, verses 15 through 23. Where is that? Yeah, there's some around here. Yeah, here it is. And the Apostle Paul, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, is commenting on this church in Ephesus, in this case. And he says he heard things about them. You know, it's it's hard to believe that they could communicate the way they did, you know, where there's just sailboats and this and that and just roads and horses are your fastest way of transportation, kind of interesting. But he says, for this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints. I want to just stop there for a moment on that passage because there's a lot in it on that verse first and foremost take a look at this as we look at it what do we see we see that we have a group of people that have come to faith in the Lord and one of the things that's happened is they form community they're loving one another they're living together they're, having, they're enjoying this this is, a, this is a good thing and you know they could stay there and kind of live out their life. And by the way, many churches do. You, you, there's so many churches. You, you, all you need to do is be born again, hang out with the church, and we're going to be fine. No, you have you have a lot more important things to do, and there's a lot more important things God has for your life than what you might think. Don't ever think you know everything. We don't we know very little compared to what God wants wants for us, and it's intentional, by the way. Why doesn't God just tell us everything so that we know exactly where we're going and how we're going to get there? What's the fun in that? Seriously, what's the fun in that? First of all, because it's going to be over a period of time, we're going to lose track of it anyway, but the whole point here is the reason he doesn't tell us everything is he wants to tell us something every day. You got that part of it? Tell us something every day. In other words, our walk is with Jesus, okay? So he goes on to say this. We're beginning then with the faith in the Lord and the love for the saints. And then he says, I do not cease giving thanks to you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So what is he praying? He says, listen, you, you need to connect a little bit deeper with God. You, you, you need to hear from God, and, and you need a divine revelation from God. You need to see Jesus. You know, have you ever noticed in your Christian walk, Jesus gets bigger and bigger? You know, first he's a savior, Then he may be a healer, then he's a deliverer. And he's someone that bails you out of a financial situation. Then he's someone that comforts you in a time of need. But we keep seeing that there's more and more to him. But this is more than that. This is what he wants you to see, who Christ is in a, in a different light than what you presently see him in. And then he goes on to say uh, that the, if I wanted to say this, I look at this here and I could see here the spiritual fathers, our spiritual fathers, are excited about their faith in Christ. And again, they want their children, the children of God, to ask him for a revelation of more knowledge. I just mentioned that before I said it again. Then he goes on to say, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know the hope of his calling. So you see right there, if you're looking at this, you now are a part of this church that God has created and God has a plan for you in that church. Whatever church you're in, it doesn't matter. It's the way it should be. It, you know, so I don't want you to get under the impression that I'm saying this is only happens in our church. I'm just saying that's the way it should be. Why? Because it's the word of God. That's what I'm saying to you. And what does he say? He says here that... <clears throat> You will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. So when you look at this whole, just this one part where Paul is praying for the the church as it sits, He's trying to move the church or have the church move on with Jesus. We all need to do that in our life. We're never stagnant. We're always moving. I've watched season after season come and go in the church I've watched the prophetic movement arise, the teaching movement arise. You know, people first they used to give sermons, then they started teaching. Finally, back in the in the 70s here in in, uh, in New Hampshire, and then then the prophetic movement came along, and then this came along. However, oh, then it was a new form of worship that came along, and this was the big thing that we had to do. And we're now entering into the worship. What I call it? A Davidic worship. You know, the, the that kind of free and open. All of this stuff is good, mind you, most of it. But the point is, so we go through these different phases, and in each phase, Jesus is doing something different, but he's not never stopped doing what he did before. You don't leave this and go on to something else. You always, you're always walking with Jesus in the truth that you now have, and you're moving forward with that into the next thing that God may put into your life. So if you do that way, it's an exciting journey. Things are changing. And uh, we sometimes have problems with those changes, but they come. If we love the Lord, we'll eventually find ourselves walking with him and walking with others of a, of a like mind and heart. Now, it goes on to say here, that And by the way, there's a lot of blessings in there for you. You have an inheritance, et cetera. Where we're not going there today. And in verse 20, he says, which he brought about, all of these things which he did for you, he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the ages to come. He made him head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's you. You're, you're a part of that. And, and I would like to say that uh, as a part of his body, you might say, well, what part am I? I have, a, I have a guy here that says, well, I know what part of the body I am. I said, well, what is that? He said, I'm a big toe. You ever hurt your toe? I broke a toe. I want to tell you, my whole body was a toe for a while. And in addition to that, I noticed that I couldn't walk right, which is talking about one big toe and get you all kind of off balance. And what that says is you're needed. Every single one of you that is needed. And I, I believe that that's one of the purposes of the church. And, and I think finding these things is not as difficult as we might think. It's like, oh, well, how do I get there? For you? you know, there's people seeking the will of God when the will of God is right in front of them. I can tell you what the will of God is for every one of us in one area of life, and that's this, that we all become more like Jesus, that we conform to the image of his son, that the old stuff gets worked out as I began this message with and Christ gets worked in and that we grow in that together. And if I'm a parent or I'm a a young mom or whatever it might be, my job now is not just to change diapers, feed the kids, take care of my husband, clean the house, uh, attend the Bible study, and do a few other things there. and Almost all of them are full-time job except for the changing of diapers. They come intermittently as it comes, that's the way it is. So, what I'm saying to you is, it's not hard to walk in this, but it's a challenge. Because the challenge is to our hearts. What do we want to do? Do we want to tell God how it should be? Or are we willing to let God tell us how it should be? See, that's the choice we all have. And it's a choice we have to make. And it's not a hard choice, but it's a choice of the heart. And if our heart is not exactly right, it may be a little bit more difficult. It may even be fearful. i tell you this, no matter what, you can never lose putting your trust in Jesus Christ or in his word. In summary, we've all been given a vision and a mission in Christ. If we love him, and we'll pray and we'll be given greater understanding of the Lord and what that vision and mission is. As I said, First, vision and mission is definitely the transformation. And if you're a parent, I'll put it this way, or a grandparent, whatever it may be, or, or whoever you are, first thing is you need to be God's man, woman, or whatever it is that God calls you to do. And if you're a kid at home, shape it up. Walk with Jesus. And that's your job as a parent is to encourage that. What is that, that Christ be formed in? those in the sphere of your influence and certainly your families in the sphere of your influence. That Christ be formed. Why is that? Because the covenant with Abraham still exists. That we would raise up godly seed to love the Lord and follow him. And what does it say in, I I believe it's in uh, Ephesians, to raise up a child in the admonition and nature of the Lord. That they will not depart from it when they get older. So we all have a a common major calling on our life. I'm, I'm encouraging you to take it. So where do we go from here? Well, how do you get there from here? I'm saying all of these things, and you're saying, so now what? Well, there is a process that God has set up for us in his word. And it's not an easy process initially to see, but it's there in how we communicate with him and how we hear from him and then how we walk out our walk together. And that's one of the things that I I have labored on for many, many years and probably but not, much more in the last 12 years. Why is that? That's because... Time is right. This is the time for our church and for God to move in many places around the world the same way. Church is going to be different. What do I mean? It's going to be different. We're all here together. We had a great band here today. We had great music here today. Didn't we? And maybe we had some technical difficulties, but you guys overcame them all today. And it was good. It was blessed. So what we can can be sure of is that if we give ourselves to God, God will use us. And I would say this, uh, there's that process. And we will assist any willing, and I have to say this because if you're not willing to follow Christ the way Christ has called you to follow him, I can't do anything about that. That, that, this, is, this is where it comes down to you all the time. You, you, you make this decision yourself. But if you make the decision, we can help. We can work together. We can move forward in the things of God. And I say, okay, what are we going to do? Follow a progress uh, in relationship with Christ? I used to use the term spiritual formation. How many have ever heard of that? Spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is a great term, but it falls flat in a couple of areas. And that's this. God doesn't want to just transform your spirit, although he does want to do that. He wants to transform you. He wants you to think differently. He wants you to speak differently. He wants you to hear differently. He wants you to walk differently. In other words, what we need is character. And without character... Nothing works. Character in, in our, I have a little motto, character before competence. Don't you want confident people in your church? Of course you do. But I'd rather have a person that doesn't exactly get it the way, get it right. And just for your knowledge, right is the way I do it. Right? And by the way, right is the way you do it, isn't it? Come on, let's, let, let's face that. That's the truth. That's the truth about us. What's right is what we know. But what we want is a, a, a person, even if they can make a great program, we wanna see them we wanna see them with character so that we can trust them and we can walk with them and we can confide in them or have somebody we can confide in, share our walk, share our love, share our hope, our dreams, our hurts, our joys. And what happens in church is what happens outside of this room in many ways. It's who we are outside of this and where we go and how we gather together and what mission God calls us on and what doors he opens to us. We're the church in the supermarket. We're the church in the restaurant. As a matter of fact, I just don't want to go off on a tangent, but we're traveling south and got to this... um, Denny's, and we just happened to get there late, uh, 10 o'clock, 11, about 11 o'clock, and so it wasn't too busy, and I don't know what happened, but next thing you know, uh, Gary is praying for this woman whose son is going into the military, she's concerned about that, well, she gets excited. She goes to this other waitress and says, that lady just prayed for me. Before you know it, we have three or four people all praying together. Where? In Denny's. So we're the church in Denny's, too. And and, and that's what we mean when we talk about a church without walls. It's us going out and, and being who God calls us to be wherever we are. So I want to close with that, and uh, I also want to say this, that it's also going to be important in moving forward in uh, in the process literally which we're still working with in some ways is that we we do so in an account an accountable revolution we a, re, a relationship we need to be accountable to someone the bible talks about that a lot accountability we don't like accountability we're americans we, we're independent on top of that we're in new england so now we're yankees we're even more independent right I became a Yankee when I moved from New York to uh, New Hampshire. And the fact of the matter is accountability hurts. Accountability seems to break the sovereignty of our soul. But at the same time, God says it's necessary. What do you think? And how will you respond? That's up to you. Let's stand together.